Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. <laughs> Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Welcome, everybody, into BBS Basketball by Association. My name is Arky Shea. This is the program that talks the most about the Hoopies and gets you excited for whatever's happening. And glad the last few weeks we've had a lot of things happening other than just hoping things will happen in a bubble. And now we're at the end of the letting everybody into the bubble part. Mm -hmm. We're getting straight to the playoffs and the nitty gritty. And we're going to talk about that with good friend of the show. Someone who you thought may have been lost in the ether somewhere, but he's making his return. He's Joel Cordes. Joel, what's up, good sir? Hey, not only are we about to start kicking people out of the bubble, but we're living in a post-Jim Boylan universe. So even despite the fact that I'm not a Chicago Bulls fan, there's a, a relative amount of happiness that I feel even just from being able to say that. Mm, that is a congratulations bulls fans that is a a, a weird like sentiment to have like <laughs> to, to to be like that anti-jim boylan but all right that's fair um uh before we get to that news and there is a lot coming out of this last several days in the bubble um you know what episode this is joel right what are we now this is 25 26 this, this is number 24 24 see i've been away for a couple of weeks and Time is meaningless when uh, you don't have basketball connected. <laughs> so, I, I mean, there's this really the Kobe no Bryant other... episode, right? Yeah, there's no other guy you can go with, right? No, uh, unfortunately not. Rest in peace, Kobe. And uh, I, I don't think we named episode eight for him, but we might have as well. I'd have to go back in the archives. But it would make sense to have a, a double nominee either way. I mean, you could go Richard Jefferson if you wanted to, I think. You could. RJ was 24. I'd have to look back in our our archives a little bit we we had tried to go obscure for some of these and then semi-obscure but there's really been no rhyme or reason because we've had a wilt chamberlain episode as well so <laughs> right right a super obscure wilt chamberlain has anybody yeah. heard of that guy <laughs> i i'm just i'm just calling that when we get to uh episode 50 it's the <laughs> david robinson episode there's no oh, you're can. already putting that on me you're already putting yeah. that on me yep My i mean we, we did we did i i, I listened in on episode 21 and you guys 
kind of debated KG or Tim Duncan. I think you settled on KG, which was a, I mean, you can't go wrong either way with those choices. Just frankly. Yeah. Like one of those guys, actually, I've heard speak, I feel like. And the other one, I don't know (laughs) if I could even tell you his voice. Hey, he punched a plant in excitement one time. If you remember that. (laughs) That is true. (laughs) That is true. In fact, you know, my favorite, and I know this is, has nothing to do with that, but my favorite Tim Duncan, anything is the fact that he got kicked out of a game for laughing. Yeah. That's my favorite Tim Duncan anything ever. You can't beat that for me is that he got a second technical foul in a game for laughing on the bench at uh, a call and he was tossed out of the game. They were afraid. They were afraid at that moment that the robots had become sentient. And in order to avoid (laughs) a Terminator like sequence, they just had to get rid of Skynet right there. No, that's Um, a good point. If you've, if you've never seen the HEB commercials, which is a, a Texas grocery chain, um, that has always had, or I shouldn't say always, but basically in the Tim Duncan era has had Spurs as their spokesman. If you've never seen any of those commercials, YouTube them immediately because Tim Duncan did a bunch of those. Kawhi did a bunch. And of course, Manu and Tony Parker were always funny. They, they're a bunch of cards, but those uh, Kawhi and Tim Duncan kind of played off their, their characters of never saying much. Um, but very kind of sly and underhanded humor in them um, and, and showed a little more personality by not showing any personality <laughs> as if fun. they were in on the joke. Yeah, um, I, I highly recommend going and watching those commercials that there's a lot of good ones in there. You know, it's also like I think the funny thing about funny sometimes is when it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. So, like, I think that's what so many people liked about Peyton Manning at one point. They'd like, oh, I didn't expect this guy to have any kind of sense of humor. And then he shows a little bit. Guys, who you hear like Kawhi Leonard just literally say like nothing. Like, I think he was asked, uh, uh, I think um, during the NBA finals, like what it would mean to the city of Toronto mm-hmm. because he had been in San Antonio when they won a world title what it would mean to the city of Toronto if they had won a world, were able to win that world title. Yeah. And I think he said, uh, I, I, I don't know the street. <laughs> it's like, yeah, all right. <laughs> this is Kawhi so, Leonard. I mean, I don't know. <laughs> like we try to get him open up, but he's just not, that's just not the guy. But if you get a little bit, you're like, ah, I can like that guy. So we're, we're way off topic here with bubble stuff, but let me tell you one Tim Duncan related story. Um, from in person just to kind of show that and he does have a reputation as being very sardonic he actually is very funny when he decides to talk and i actually witnessed this in real life one time it was probably uh 2003 or 2004 when i was covering the timberwolves as a locker room reporter and back at that time you used to be able to go into the opponent's locker room ahead of the game and guys would actually talk to you now they really don't so most reporters don't even go in ahead of the game. They just wait till post game. So me and, and one of my colleagues was standing around um, waiting for anybody to kind of open up and talk. And And the Spurs at that time really didn't. They were maybe ahead of the curve. Um, very businesslike. They only talk at the end. But Brent Barry and Robert Ory are sitting around in the locker room. Um, this is, of course, before Barry had retired. Both of those guys are known for having kind of a a, a good sense of humor as well. And granted, this is 2003, 2004. So the advent of, of smartphones is just beginning. And they're both sitting there with their phones going, you know, we're not supposed to have these on. They were talking about how we're not supposed to have these on um, before the game. We're not even really supposed to have these in the locker room. And we're kind of joking like, ha, 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 we're getting away with this. 
and Brent Berry goes, uh, they were talking about whether it was okay, what it was okay to be looking up. What if I'm looking up NBA stuff? Is it okay then for me to use my phone? And I think it was Robert Ori goes, well, what if I'm looking up porn on my cell phone? <laughs> and Brent Berry and him start debating this, knowing that the reporters are standing there and just being kind of funny. And they're like, nah, yeah, we probably, probably can't get away with that. And Tim Duncan, just one liner goes, if I can't look at porn on my phone, before a game, that's not a world I want to live in. <laughs> and that was it. That was the only thing he said. It just goes right back to what he was doing. He says it with almost zero emotion, but he knew that everybody was there. And yeah. everybody just, you know, breaks up, just cracks up laughing again because of who's saying it and the comedic timing of it. And, you know, Brent and, and Rob were both like, yeah, touche, and went on with what they were doing. But that was I Tim love, Duncan. I love that, that we live in a world, and you especially, and now us listeners, where there is a memory thread connecting Tim Duncan and cell phone porn. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> that you will always have that in your head. <laughs> and I, I've, I've never run into Brent Berry since then. Um, but someday when I do, I'm going to bring that, that conversation back up and see if he even remembers it or not. Chances mm-hmm. are he won't, but he'll, he'll pretend like he might. Well, uh, let's get going forward to the episode. Uh, we've got a lot of bubble talk as we are almost done with the. Uh, in fact, we're wrapping up uh, today yep. uh, with the uh, with the eight uh, seeding games that are happening. And I you alluded to it before, but let's just get a quick mention out there. It's it's going to get a lot of discussion, but not as much. I don't think on this podcast right now because there's so many other things to talk about in the bubble. Mm-hmm. But. It was a team that wasn't in the bubble, the Chicago Bulls. Uh, it has not been very good under Jim Boylan. I think it's like a 317 winning percentage uh, in his two years uh, with the team. He is He's no, no long- Tim Floyd. He's no Tim Floyd, we'll say that. <laughs> That's true. Tim Floyd was like, I don't know, 21%, I think. Oh, yeah. yeah, it's like, oof. Um, He's no longer the head coach of the Chicago Bulls, and you uh, seem very okay with that uh, as uh, someone who doesn't seem like a big big Jim Boylan fan. Uh, But uh, how big of news is this for Chicago Bulls fans and for it to happen like now? It's enormously good. Bulls fans thought it was happening when the front office also finally got its its overhaul. Um, And with a new GM in place, it was – I guess becoming a little ominous that it was taking this long, but there was also, I guess the, whether you want to call it for real due diligence or just the illusion of due diligence that the new guy didn't want to come in and just fire Boylan right away without having done interviews and, and that sort of thing. But there was no way if the bulls had committed to an overhaul, there was no way they could keep Boylan around. He had clearly lost the locker room over the last two years. Guys were, very, very much between the lines, if not outright saying that they hated him, they didn't want to play for him. Um, this was one of those kind of old school, hardcore militaristic coaches, my way or the highway, except his way really didn't work. They were running stuff out of the 1990s and their offense. Um, defensively, they did compete. I will give Boylan credit. He did get the guys to play hard defensively, but they just weren't very good. And there was no noticeable improvement in Boylan taking over from Fred Hoiberg, except that people didn't seem to mind Hoiberg as much, except for maybe Jimmy Butler when he was there on the tail end of, of that run. Um, But everybody else, the young guys didn't seem to mind him. And with Boylan, it was like, Hey, we're still not winning. And this guy is not connecting whatsoever. So there is a little bit of a, be careful what you wish for aspect here in that these young players with the bulls, Zach Levine, especially, um, but you talk about Chris Dunn and, 
you know, Kobe White and Otto Porter Jr., who was so hurt he never played, Laurie Markkinen, Wendell Carter Jr. You just never knew what they have there. Um, but the be careful what you wish for part is they were able to use Boylan, I think, as the excuse for why they weren't doing well. Yeah. And if you get that next coach in here who is connecting better to those guys and they still look so disjointed and sometimes disinterested, now it very clearly becomes a personnel problem. And with the new GM in place, he's cleaned house in one area. The next area isn't hard to predict if this doesn't get off to a good start next year. Yeah, I have written down on my notes. Uh, how do you know what you got? Like, uh, right, like exactly. It, it was hard to sort of figure out what this Bulls team was throughout the entire season. But and they were never different. healthy. They were right. never healthier right. playing all together. But in my notes also mentioned, and I think you can answer this if you don't mind. Is it bad if a team refuses to play for a coach? Yes. Okay. Um, so, right. you know, so, <laughs> some, sometimes it's a mark of a very immature team. You know, they they quit on a coach, but. Um, this isn't college basketball. It is the pros. And as a NBA head coach, you are not the general of your team. Um, you're not the dictator of your team. You are a team employee exactly like those players. And yes, you have a role of authority, but part of your job is to connect with the players and get that buy-in so that everybody does their job optimally. And we've seen over the last decade, it was happening before that already, but over the last decade, there were a lot of guys who kind of came in. Byron Scott was another example of this, where he flamed out in L.A. Um, with that same kind of approach. Um it doesn't work in the modern NBA. It may have a long time ago, uh, but it really doesn't. And yes, people will, will point out like a Jerry Sloan or a Greg Popovich as being old school and say, yeah, but it still works for those guys. But you know what? Greg Popovich, as much as he kind of toes the line in the sand that we're all going to we're all going to move in this direction. He is very good at connecting with his players and proving that he is there to help them to yeah. further their career, that it's about the team, that it's not about him and I think that's where the line really comes in and even Jerry Sloan struggled with this at the tail end of his career with Darren Williams Uh, but for the longest time he got that buy-in because yes he was clearly in charge but it was never about him Jerry Sloan it was never about you listen to me because I'm the guy it's because we're going to win this together and it's about collectively that group and I think the really modern um, you know we give them the term players coaches but I think the really modern coaches are the ones that come in and are able to show it's not an ego thing. Um, we all have a role and we're going to fill it. Yeah, I think uh, what's what's important about Sloan and Popovich is that Sloan and Popovich were in in a much different NBA time as far as the players and the contracts mm-hmm. and how much power that they had. Uh, very different time as opposed to what they are now, which I just don't think that's going to work anywhere, really. But they, that- they, they've also proven it, right? Well, they, exactly. exactly. They, they've proven it with, in Popovich's cases, championships, and in Sloan's cases, an endless playoff record, where even when the rest of the league was changing, they had plenty of street cred. Exactly. Not only because of who they were, but because of what they did. Yeah, they'd already built up that resume is like hey listen you think this doesn't work but we still keep uh making it to the nba finals or mm-hmm. winning or whatever mm-hmm. so all right so um rest in peace nba uh jim boylan uh we'll see where you are but long time uh, assistant the nba too since uh, and i think know. he's probably very good as an assistant you know he got that job for a reason he's been with the spurs previously and some guys just work better in that role where they're not the main voice and they're there but he he's not wielding that stick of authority i don't yeah. think jim boylan gets another head coaching job in the nba period 
I think there are so many interesting things now that move forward into the uh, to the yep. bubble uh, that that have basically happened since this podcast last released last week. Mm-hmm. Um, one of those things, which is blowing my mind, um, how about the Phoenix Suns? Yes, thank you, thank you. Um, I, I was hoping you'd go there. Undefeated, this entire bubble undefeated, uh-huh. and it wasn't until the very, or essentially almost the very last minute, uh, that they were eliminated from uh, the contention and not, not able to get the uh, play in berth mm-hmm. uh, to at least battle for that eighth seed. Um, Phoenix, of all teams, I don't think either one of us saw the Phoenix Suns running the table in the in the bubble once they got in here. No, we did, you know, way too many shows prior to the bubble just because there was nothing else to talk about looking at the different teams and the the prospects forum and Phoenix was one of those dead in the water teams like the Sacramento Kings and potentially the Spurs. We all thought the Blazers getting healthy would have a chance and they have. We thought Memphis would be there just because they had such a big lead on everybody and that's been true and then of course everyone thought New Orleans with Zion back was going to play well and they didn't. What's really heartbreaking for the Suns is not only do they run the table and not even get to the play-in round where you would think their momentum had they gotten to that final game probably would have been enough to get them through it, but they had three one-point losses this year during the regular season before the the pause um, and a handful of other losses by like three points or less. So it just goes to show uh, in a very unfortunate case that the NBA regular season does mean something. And those meaningless, quote unquote, meaningless games, you know, in, in mid-January where everybody's tired and doesn't really want to play uh, or March, those games do have meaning. And you never know when they sneak up to beat you. Phoenix found something. Part of it was schedule-wise. They faced a lot of teams early on who were kind of down at that same level as them. And I'm going to pull up their schedule right now. Um, I was looking at it earlier today, but so I don't misquote anything. Um, You know, they got off to a nice start early on, and they were just flat out playing harder than some of the other people they faced. Um, But yeah, August 2nd, they play Dallas. Uh, July 31st, they play Washington. So that was their first game. The Wizards, you would hope they'd beat them. Uh, But then they go on that run. They beat Dallas. uh, They beat the Clippers. That's a meaningful win. They beat the Pacers, which kind of up and down Miami's been up and down but Oklahoma City's been kind of up and down and then they get Philly and Dallas so it's not like they had a super easy schedule but it, no but te- a- team, teams that were comfortably in in the playoffs for the yes. most part they were, they were comfortably in uh that could old man winter here if I had it my way it would stay winter all year long short days wind chill black ice and a good polar vortex <laughs> heaven wait is it getting warm in here your cold snap is over old man winter spring has arrived spring spring is here which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Have, you know, at one point, depending on when they played them, uh, yes. could have manipulated their roster, how much they actually needed uh, certain guys or whatever. But Phoenix, it didn't matter. They, they won all the games. I, I would say the only team out of that group, though, um, that hasn't been kind of up and down as well would be... Dallas and their record isn't great, but they kind of had a losing streak and then a winning streak. Um, you know, the Clippers have won one, won a couple, then dropped one or two. Same with the Pacers, definitely with Miami, definitely with Oklahoma City. And that win over Philadelphia the other night on Tuesday, Philly was resting all of their starters. And then you got the Wizards in there. So I don't want to take anything away from Phoenix. Um, they were playing well and they were playing hard. I mean, they there was a lot, and that's a credit to Monty Williams. Um, to get them at that level. Devin Booker was out of his mind, um, yeah. but they they were clearly playing hard, inspired basketball. They wanted that spot, and, man, did they get close. You wouldn't think that any team, honestly, would run the table coming into the bubble with all the factors that are there, and you look at everybody's record, and it's kind of been that same way. Hey, we win one, we drop two. We win two, we drop one. Very few teams have strung together something meaningful and that it was Phoenix is surprising, but Booker played well. Aiton had his moments. Um, Rubio had some very good games as well. Um, Mikhail Bridges was playing nicely. Javon Carter had had uh, good contributions off the bench, as he has all season. And you look at the Phoenix Suns, and you start to see what they have. Um, at every position right now, it makes sense. You've got Ricky Rubio. At point guard, there's your distributor, although Devin Booker brings the ball up quite a lot because he was used as a point guard last year when they didn't have anything. Javon Carter has given them good minutes on and off the ball. You've got your 3 and D guy in Mikhail Bridges. You've got Kelly Oubre, who did not play in the bubble, and that's a tough one where you go, oh, could Kelly have helped them more? But they couldn't have done any better than win eight games in a row. Cameron Johnson, who early on a lot of people questioned that pick, but he's looked uh, very good as a stretch four, kind of with DeAndre Ayton up front, even though Johnson is more naturally a wing. Saric as your backup power forward. You've got Ayton in the middle, who Ayton does a lot of things really well. It was interesting to me watching some of their games, how bad his hands are. And even the Suns announcers were kind of talking about that. That's going to be something going forward. He really has had stone hands when it comes to dump offs inside. But he, he sets great screens. He's got a, a little bit of a jumper defensively he's been really nice for them you get frank kaminsky and aaron baines behind them so for the last couple of years you've looked at the sun's roster and it's been just this hodgepodge of nothingness with a couple of talented players on it and suddenly you go okay i see where this is going james jones is the gm doing a nice job and they've got their coach and monty williams sons could be a playoff team next year no and i think there were a lot of experts so to speak and i'm not one of them uh that sort of looked at the phoenix suns thinking that that could be a playoff team in like two years, mm-hmm. you know, and the, when they got right, eight and that's where the, the trajectory changed. Yep, That's true. That's true. And now with the momentum that they've had he, at the end of this uh, and listen, I, I mean, you may be right. It, it may be 
uh, a twenty. I mean, I mean, they'll probably be back in practice in like two weeks mm-hmm. uh, for for the next season. Uh, but that is an interesting thing uh, for Phoenix. And here's another interesting thing about Phoenix is that they went eight zero and they didn't get the spot. Look, what do you think about the idea now that we've actually seen it happen? Because you're right, it's been mostly everyone hovering right around 500, maybe a little mm-hmm. below or a little above, but mm-hmm. no one just killing it like Phoenix. That a team like Phoenix got invited, could go 8-0 and no, and not get into that playoff berth spot. Yeah, and what's really unfortunate is that Memphis and Phoenix both wind up with 34 and 39 records. Portland goes 35 and 39, so they were automatically in. Um, it's too bad under those circumstances. And yes, the NBA always wants to reiterate how the regular season matters. It's too bad that we couldn't have had a play into the play in. You know what I mean? Like a ninth place game. Sure. Um, especially since we had already gotten wacky with the rules here. Um, but the NBA likes to keep that head-to-head record in the regular season meaning something. And that's really where this comes into play. Um, I will say this, it's kind of a a downer, and Suns fans may not want to hear this, but this year's Suns team really reminds me of the one with Goran Dragic and Eric Bledsoe near the beginning of their careers, um, about eight, nine, maybe even ten years ago already, I'd have to go back and look. That team was like a half game out of the ninth seed, or out of the eighth seed, I should say, they won 50 games and still missed the playoffs. And that was a, that was at the time that a lot of people were like, oh, man, we have three, four Eastern Conference teams below 500. They made the playoffs. The Suns win 50 games and they don't get in. That's baloney. We should rejigger the seating. And that's really where that conversation started coming up. But Phoenix missed the playoffs. And then the next year, they had Isaiah Thomas to their backcourt from Sacramento. People were like, this is it. This is the move that gets them over the top. And they messed with chemistry and wound up not even getting close back in. I'm just hoping that the Suns don't make that same type of mistake. Uh, on the other end of the spectrum, though, Washington won one game in the bubble. So We kind of pre- predicted that, did we not? <laughs> the fact that it was the the last game that they had in the bubble against a Boston team who had already clinched the third seed and already clinched who they were going to play in the first round. Yeah. And weren't okay, yeah, and only one by six, by the way. So it's not like they blew them out. So, and, and in, the, in the same respect, you know, Orlando, they're listed as five and five in their last 10, but they only picked up a handful of wins here in the bubble as well. And that was to be expected. Um, you know, Memphis dropped most of their games as well. We kind of said that might happen, that their youth was going to catch up to them, however. They had enough of a head start that they were going to be able to survive that. So at least at the bottom of the standings in the playoff seating, things went pretty much according to plan. Orlando beat the Nets and the Kings early on. Congratulations, guys. And they beat the they beat the Pelicans. They beat the Pelicans when the Pels were already resting everybody yesterday. Inside of that, the Orlando dropped basically every Eastern Conference playoff team that they faced, they dropped their games to them. Um, you know, outside of that first one with Brooklyn, they wound up losing against Brooklyn on Tuesday. So you say that about Brooklyn, but like Brooklyn came in scoring like a thousand points. Like they, 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 they were nothing. They were, they were playing some, like some, like some legit, like church league ball. They were, and they were doing it with, you know, uh, guys that they signed off the street in order right. to put a roster together. Um, and a lot of their subs, the credit again goes to Brooklyn's coaching staff, uh, Jock Vaughn, 
taking over not even midway through the season, like late in the season and able to keep any type of continuity. That's good. That's impressive. Um, You look at some of Brooklyn's wins, however, and again, schedule means something to me, not so much in momentum here, but it does in who you beat and who you didn't because it really was a disjointed product. They lose their first game to Orlando that's not very forgivable. Then you beat Washington. Everybody should. Everybody did. Um, you beat Milwaukee, which sounds very impressive on paper. They did it by three points, but the Bucks have been struggling a little bit. I'm sure we'll talk about that later. You beat Sacramento. Big deal. Um, you, lo- you, you beat the Clippers. That one is impressive, although the Clippers have not had their full roster. And again, they're like resting a bunch of people or guys have been out. Yeah. It's another team that uh, has like been about 500 in the bubble. Yeah. Yep. And, and, and then the Nets beat Orlando and they lost to Portland the other night. So I will give them this. They have been competitive in every single game they've played, except for that loss to the Celtics where they gave up 149 points, but the Celtics are one of the few teams that is playing well consistently in the bubble. So Brooklyn, you know, the fact that they were competitive, the fact that they didn't, you know, even remotely fall out of the playoffs seating, much less drop into the eighth spot. That is a testament to them. No, it, it is. And also the thing that I think was so interesting, we talked about coming into the bubble that there are so many, there, there were a handful, I should say, opportunities where teams could lose seating, move around mm-hmm. if things went a certain way. And for the most part, we saw very little movement in general, but one guy put a team on his back to get into that playoff spot. In fact, they're number eight. They're the number eight seed now in the West. Yep. Damian Lillard. Little old Damian Lillard out of Weber State just has gone insane the last handful of games. Yes. And he's just pulling up for like he sees the half court stripe and is like, I'm in range. And he's just starting draining shots. We've seen a lot of points get scored and we can talk about that later, this entire bubble. And I think it's partly because of it not being in an arena. Hmm. But we've seen Portland especially heat up at maybe just the right time. Now they've got a play in births, a play in a series. Uh, well, I guess if they win, it's not much of a series uh, against Memphis coming up. Is Portland, if they do get past what we see uh, them against Memphis, are they one of the worst nightmares that l- the Lakers could possibly have out of that bottom spot to play them in the first round? I don't know if I would say worst nightmare, but the fact that the Lakers are missing Avery Bradley. The fact that Pope has not, uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope has been a little bit dinged up. Some of their best wing defenders um, are, you know, neutralized. That bodes well for the Blazers and for Damian Lillard. Um, I think a lot of this has to do, and this is taking away nothing from Dame, but a lot of this has to do with the fact that they got Carmelo Anthony midway through the season. He's accepted a supporting role and has done well enough in it. He's which, which is on surprising. Defense. It's just yeah. surprising that he's, he decided to check his but, ego at the door. But I, I do think, not to get too far off, off track with that, I think he's at that point in his career where after he had flamed out with the Rockets and nobody was calling, I think that's an ego check for guys where they realize, look, if I want to play in the league, I've got to do it on the team's terms. And so I think coming back down to earth, Carmelo Anthony bought in and he was given minutes to be a featured guy. Um, Credit Terry Stotts for keeping Anthony in the starting lineup this entire time, which I think is maybe, again, kind of an ego 
uh, ego boost for Melo to be able to say, yeah, I'm still a starter. He's not playing enormous minutes, but he's found that role. And they played 500 basketball once he got there. It at least kept them afloat. Now with Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins back, it just gives the Blazers that many more options of guys that can finish a play, guys that have to be defended. And it's opened up Lillard by just that much more so. And then, of course, he's taken that initiative. C.J. McCollum has not played well lately. They've been saying that he's actually got a, a cracked vertebrae in his back. Um, something that is painful, but he's able to play through it, but he has not played all that well. Um, some of their young guys like Anthony Simons and Gary Trent Jr. especially, he's been out of his mind from downtown. The Blazers have been one of the hottest teams from three in the the, the bubble here. So they've got a lot of things going for them, uh, one of which, of course, is Lillard, but other guys have stepped up. And when you look at their schedule, they also could have run the table. The only two losses that they had was to the Celtics, 128 to 124. So again, that's a close game, and Boston has been darn good. And they lost to the Clippers by five points. Clippers, again, have been up and down, but are one of the teams that should be the front runner. So they're nine points away, are the Blazers, from running the table. But you look at the rest of their wins, they were all close. They beat Memphis in overtime on July 31st, 140 to 135. They beat the Rockets by eight points. They beat the Nuggets by 10, Sixers by three. Mavericks by three and the Nets yesterday in a must win game. You know, if Portland loses that game, they don't make the playoffs. They beat the Nets by one point. Yeah. And it was Lillard who hit the go ahead basket. Yeah. I mean, he's pulling up from the half court stripe down yeah. seven in the fourth quarter. So, I mean, yeah. like, it's not exactly like they've been, you know, killing everything. I mean, defensively, they've struggled at times. Dames struggled a little bit on defense, too. It's not been the easiest road for them. But offensively, they are a scary team to try to match up with at times. Thoughts on Damian Lillard and what he has done in this bubble to sort of bring Portland to where they are and if that's enough to maybe steal a game from the Lakers if they get past Memphis to me it's been Lillard's feel for the game which he's always had but that's what I've walked away being impressed with so let's use that Brooklyn game as an example Portland got up early and they were up by double digits um, going into the third quarter and Dame had done a really nice job of scoring when he needed to, but making sure that other guys were involved. And then they coughed up the lead in the third quarter. Um, Brooklyn went on a nice run. Lillard was off the floor for part of that, but Portland just couldn't make any shots. And as you alluded to, the Blazers have struggled defensively. They've been one of the worst teams there in the tournament That's or, or the bubble. That's why I'm not sure I want to say they're a nightmare for the Lakers, because they just haven't been able to stop anybody. And when you look at that starting lineup they've gone with now, you've got Lillard and McCollum, who are, you know, barely minus defenders. You've got Anthony, who's definitely a minus. Nurkic is not a plus defender. He's okay. And then Zach Collins, who is not completely healthy. They just don't even have a stopper in that starting lineup. They get a little bit better with some of their bench guys, but the bench is predominantly young. Um, so again, Brooklyn pulls ahead, and that's when Lillard sees things are kind of spiraling out of control and just begins to take over, hitting big shots, finding open shots for other guys, and they just barely did it enough. But he had 42 points in that game. He had 12 assists. The game before that, he had 61 points and 8 assists. Sunday, he had 51 and 7. He had 45 on August 6th. 
So it's score when you need to, which is still quite often, um, but also setting up the weapons that the Blazers do have on offense. So they're going to be a very competent playoff team. I don't think we're going to see a single sweep anywhere in the Western Conference Mm -hmm. in the first round. Um, I don't want to act like I'm pushing Memphis to the side yet. I want to talk mm-hmm. about the playoffs coming up and uh, just what things are looking like now and um, what we might like in, in that um, that uh, that play in a series or might be a game. Um, I want to get uh, your thoughts on a on another end of an era, sort of. The Spurs, twenty two straight years of making the playoffs is officially mm-hmm. over. Elias did research and found that there are 117 current NBA players, current NBA players that were born on the date or after the last time the Spurs missed the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, Puff Daddy and Mace had the number one song on the Billboard chart (laughs) at that time, by the way. The epitome of consistency. And not only that, but the championships won during out throughout that too. Mm-hmm. You you go from a superstar in David Robinson, you combine him with Tim uh, Duncan, David Robinson leaves, then it's Tim Duncan's team. You bring these uh European players on and people don't know their names, they can't pronounce them and they're still winning championships. You bring in guys like and build them up like Kawhi Leonard to help win. Like it's just the epitome of the most professional. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, We've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Consistent type of organization. And that streak had to end. I know some point, but 22 years, man, that is a real long time to be always in the playoffs. Yeah. And people will always say, well, they never won two in a row. Okay, but you win five championships over the course of that 22 year run. And that's something that no team has been able to duplicate either. So really they stand alone in that achievement, even if you want to talk about not winning back-to-backs or or what have you. Um, Granted, they're a Ray Allen shot away from probably winning back-to-back against Miami. That's true. Um, But 
Yeah, I, I can't. The, the Spurs have always been kind of my second favorite team. The Timberwolves never last in the playoffs long enough and now never get there. So the Spurs were always kind of that team that I gravitated towards just because there was a lot of players that I really liked. And it's been one heck of a ride to be able to watch that, um, appreciate that, to see them there. Um, and the way they've played has changed so many different times. You talk about the Twin Towers early on. They became three-point happy before a lot of teams were really doing that. Now they've kind of re-embraced the mid-range because they see a market inefficiency there that a lot of teams have gone away from it. They've played at different paces. There have been years where they've been really you know, high octane and moving the ball a ton. They've played slow down basketball. They've had a defensive identity some years. That, again, is a credit not only to Popovich and the coaching staff, and obviously he has this huge coaching tree of of people that are now in the league who have worked with him and under him, but it's a credit to the personnel and all those players that came in there and bought in, you know, that checked their ego at the door that came in, did their job and had a lot of wins and some rings to show for it too. There was kind of the feeling going into this year um, and even last year that we were getting to the end of the run just because, you know, I don't want to take away anything from DeMar DeRozan and LaMarcus Aldridge, but those are two guys probably on the tail, uh, not the tail end, but the downswing of their career guys that are probably better off as the second or third option on good teams. And they were both having to be cast as one a and one B San Antonio had a lot of young, interesting pieces there, but nobody that really stood out, whether it's Derek white or Bryn Forbes, Keldon Johnson has played really well here in the bubble, but he wasn't playing before this. Um, guys like that, Jakob Pertle, nice players. Dewante Murray is going to be an all-team defensive guy for a lot of years. Nice players, but you're not sure whether they're number one guys either, and they were all a little bit too young. So it was just kind of this convergence of things and other teams on the rise in the Western Conference. It, this doesn't feel like a surprise that they missed it. Um, it feels like a surprise that it lasted 22 years and that they even made the playoffs after Kawhi Leonard left. Yeah, the 22-year run, by the way, is not the most in consecutive years in NBA history. Right. It actually is tied with the 76ers, but that started when they were also the Syracuse Nationals. Mm -hmm. And uh, a different era with far fewer teams. Yeah, so um, hmm, hmm, I think I still would like to give a little bit of a nod to um, uh, San Antonio. By the way, do you know who has the current longest uh, streak, uh, active streak, uh, into the NBA playoffs? Um, yeah, I believe it's the Houston Rockets now. I saw that on ESPN. But isn't it only like eight years or something like yeah, that? It's at eight. Yeah, it's at, yeah. It's, it's at eight. So you got you got a ways to go, Houston, and uh, we'll see what happens, whether they retain Mike D'Antoni and so forth. Oh, that's a good point. Uh, okay, now, uh, if you don't mind, I I'd like to take a look at some of the playoff things that are going forward, uh, because that does involve one of my first stories. It's kind of with the last batch of stories, but also with the playoffs. Um, the playoffs are uh, basically um, a few minutes away from starting, it feels like. Yeah, we have the uh, play-in game tomorrow and then postseason yeah, right after that. The play-in game on uh, Saturday, but I think if Memphis wins, they go to Sunday. All right, It's the best of three if the nine seed wins, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, uh, so they go Saturday, possibly Sunday, and then we'll get uh, the start of the uh, the sprint to the end. Um, and I guess the first one I want to start with because there's a major injury with it, and that's Ben Simmons, uh, who uh, has a subligation of his knee, and so he's done for the year. They're the sixth seed, the Philadelphia. They're already taking on Miami. Uh, excuse me, uh, Boston. Yeah. Um, 
Philadelphia dominated during the season. I think won three of the four matchups that they were playing. Mm-hmm. But Ben Simmons is a big piece not to have. <laughs> so how much does that change what you think Philadelphia could do? Because I go, I went into the season thinking this was the year Philadelphia had the chance to make it to the Eastern Conference Finals and compete for the NBA Finals. I obviously don't feel nearly the same way now after watching you know the season happen. Um, but what do you think the Ben Simmons injury does to this Boston Celtics series in particular? I think it puts Brett Brett Brown's job on the line once and for all. And we had all said, you know, give him some time. He went through all those really rough years with the Sixers. And um, now he's gotten them into the playoffs after they got enough talent to get there. But things have looked a little bit disjointed. It's not his fault. They haven't put enough shooters around them. But they added a lot of different pieces. Josh Richardson was added this year. Al Horford brought in. those guys just didn't fit and click the way that they thought. So then there was the thought that, all right, we're going to move Ben Simmons to power forward, put him up front by Joel Embiid. Um, we'll play a little bit faster to move Al Horford to the bench. Let's get Shake Milton into the starting lineup because he had had some nice games late in the year, but they looked du- just as disjointed when the bubble began, which again, there's a built-in excuse because everybody looked disjointed, but Milton did not look like the answer at point guard um, Simmons looked okay up front. Again, you look at Philly, they were five and five in their last 10 and had a losing record here in the bubble. Then you lose Ben Simmons. Things don't look better with him gone. And of course, how could they? Um, I will say this if Boston struggles in any way against the Sixers after Boston playing so well and seems to be clicking on all cylinders. That's going to be a major, major question mark against their young guys and their ability to lock in. I'm talking about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown especially, and it's also going to call into question whether Boston can keep running out such small lineups with Daniel Tice at the center, and then ostensibly you've got Gordon Hayward or Jalen Brown, whoever you want to call, at the small ball four. They're basically just playing three interchangeable wings with Brown and Tatum and Hayward and then Kemba Walker at point guard, it's going to call into question the the effectiveness of that group and whether they need to rethink things because Philly is a team that has had their number. But if Philly walks in and just gets slaughtered by the Celtics, yes, that's understandable. But I think the Sixers are going to look at the fact that they've been disjointed all year and tried all sorts of different things. And it was rumored that Brett Brown might be on the chopping block anyway. They are a team that wants to push forward now, and they may make a coaching change. Yeah, and they still play uh, as a recording tonight uh, to end the uh, bubble for both those teams uh, in the uh, the A-game stretch of that. Which And everybody's going to rest their starters yeah, like, when it'll be it, meaningless. The final is going to be like 71 to 68. <laughs> like, I don't even – like, everyone's so, just going to take the full 24 that's seconds. true. Sometimes that's true. Or you get games that are, you know, like a buck 30 something because the young guys are there and they're just gunning and nobody's really playing defense. Yes. When you've seen all the points have been scored in this bubble and then you see like when Washington beat Boston uh, the other night, 96 to 90, and you're like, what happened? Oh, wait, now I know what happened. (laughs) Not because they can't score because everyone's scoring because it's just been one of those like you, 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 the depth perception. I think Devin Booker even came out and said it a couple of days ago. They're like, it's like playing just in a gym. Like you, everything just sort of, it, 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 it's like playing in a gym where everything you just know is just uh, so much easier to sort of account for. Uh, yeah, and it, it, it's a shooter's gym. It's a shooter's, it's a shooter's league right now. It is. And that's a great point. I didn't even think about that. Just the, 
the smaller confines, but the fact that you keep playing on the same court, yes. courts, plural, over and over, like every gym, every arena is a little bit different and you got to get used to that. Well, now you know exactly what it is. Um, we've also seen too, and I think part of this is just coming back, that individual defenders have done fine. There's been no team like with a defensive scheme that has stood out. And granted, the NBA has been kind of trending in that direction all offense over the last couple of years anyway. But the cohesiveness of rotations and that sort of thing just hasn't really caught up. And maybe, again, teams are playing things a little bit closer to the vest, knowing that they're going to bust out a little bit more advanced stuff in the playoffs. That typically happens. Yeah, um, I'll be interested to see whether things tighten up in the playoffs, as has traditionally happened. Um, I don't know if this will be the year for that to occur, but you're right. It has been absolutely a a shooter's gym. And whether that's familiarity or personnel or just that depth perception, it, it's probably been a little bit of everything. I, I, just for example, let's, let's look at Boston since they've been in the bubble. Here are their point totals since they've been in the bubble. 128, 106, 149, 122, 122, 122, and then against the Wizards, 90. <laughs> Which game do you think they arrested a bunch of people? (laughs) (laughs) That would be the Wizards. Ding, ding, ding. (laughs) That would be the Wizards. And congratulations, Washington. That's your win. So, um, but looking more for at the, at the playoffs, as we sort of see them mapping out, because really we, we know what the, the, they're going to be. Let's start just briefly with, because it's going to happen this weekend before we get a chance to even talk about it more. Portland and Memphis go back to that game. Portland is white hot right now. Uh, they got the best player playing the best ball in the bubble right now, and uh, and Damian Lillard. Um, that guy, I think he's averaging like fifty-one points over the last three games. It's just, yeah, stupid. Like it's just like I didn't, I didn't even know what you do with, with with something like that. But what do you think about that matchup between Portland and Memphis this weekend to see who is going to ultimately take on the Lakers? If Memphis somehow wins this game, then shame on the Blazers for getting that far and not being able to lock them down. Memphis has not played well. They've only won a couple of games. Granted, they've been without Jaron Jackson Jr. Basically, since the tournament started, I think he got one game in. No Justice Winslow at all this year. Tyus Jones has barely played. They're young. Uh, They've gotten nice games out of Jonas Valanciunas. He's been very steady for them. That's a, a huge veteran addition that they got. This year, John Morant has been up and down. He has certainly had his moments. Um, I was just reading something from Zach Lowe prior to the show about how teams have begun um, defending him, just daring him to shoot three-pointers because he's a sub-35% guy, and he's been so good at the rim, so dynamic, that they're just walling things off. And kind of like with Zion Williamson, they're just backing off. And they they did this to Giannis Antetokounmpo the, the last couple years too. You wall them off at the rim. You dare them to shoot threes. And yeah, they might make a few, but it's not going to be at the same percentage as if they get into the, the paint. And Morant has looked uncomfortable with that. It's not in rhythm for him. He's not able to step in. He sees it. He freezes for a minute. Then he kind of takes one of those slow where you're trying to touch the ball into the hoop type of threes and just not making a ton of them. That's where, again, Morant's next step is going to be to take something out of the Damian Lillard playbook. Keep working on that range. Keep working on that rhythm from everywhere. And when you draw guys out because they respect that three-pointer, you're going to have your pick of the litter once you get into the lane about what you want to do. And Morant was so good early on when people were trying to defend him straight up that the rest of the league has realized you can't do that. So as I look at the Grizzlies, 
I just don't know where all the points are going to come from um, if Morant doesn't have a good game. And it is only one game, though, and anything can happen. Sure. Portland, Portland, on the flip side, has been bad defensively. So if you let Morant get off or you know somebody like Dylan Brooks or DeAnthony Melton, who have had big games this year, if they suddenly come out of nowhere – um, you know, Jonas Valanciunas drops a 30 and 15, which he is very capable of doing. You get something like that and things can get weird. But this is Portland's game to lose. They've got all the momentum in the world. They've got veteran guys. They are relatively uh, at full strength, although McCollum is a little bit dinged up. Um, they've got to win this game. <clears throat> Excuse me. I'll tell you the one thing that, that, that worries me about this entire postseason as a betting man, that I look at the way both conferences sort of stacked up and it looked like outside of a couple of games in particular and it's outside of Phoenix who just went nuts and um, the teams at the bottom of the West that were, that were battling like, uh, like uh, Portland, for example, um, it felt like the majority of the teams weren't really that interested and necessarily giving the full defensive effort because they knew where they were at for the most part, mm-hmm. that there wasn't going to be a lot of movement throughout the standings and that they would play probably good, hard games for like two, maybe three of max of these games, but sort of knew where they were going to be at in this bubble. And everyone just sort of planned, played out to in the neighborhood of 500. So yeah. I can't really get a feel on who, if it wasn't for Phoenix getting in being white hot and Damian Lillard himself, I can't really get a feel for who has gotten that much better outside of losing Ben Simmons in an injury for 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 uh, mm. Philadelphia. I can't really get a feel for who I like coming into the playoff of this bubbles, and it frustrates me after a few weeks of watching these games that I still don't feel like I got to get any better handle on this. I think Toronto and Boston are the only two teams that you can look at and go. Yes, not only do they have legit momentum right now and look cohesive, um, but at relative full strength, and they've got the horses to be able to compete deep into the playoffs. Sure, Portland and Phoenix had momentum, but you knew they were going to get into the first round and maybe they pick up a game, maybe two, maybe they even push somebody you know, to, to a full series, but highly unlikely that either of those teams were going to beat the Lakers or the Clippers in the first round. So, But can we look at Toronto and Boston and say, yeah, those are title contending teams? I think so, because the East right now feels wide open. Milwaukee has not looked good. Giannis has looked fine, but nobody else seems to be in a rhythm. They got Bledsoe back late. He has looked very rusty, and he has had some major problems in the playoffs the last couple years. Chris Middleton has looked steady, but they just have not found the supporting guys on a consistent basis night in and night out in defense you know, that had been their calling card. They were the best defensive team in the league. They don't look that great on that end. Granted, that can change once we get into the playoffs, but Milwaukee really struck me as a team that needed momentum. That's always been a Mike Budenholzer thing. Like when his teams are rolling, they keep rolling. And when they face adversity, Budenholzer's teams have not adjusted very well. Um, that's concerning. And not that they're going to drop a game, you know, or drop a series in the first round of the Magic or anything like that. But they need that magic series. They need to find their rhythm back because they do not have it right now. Yeah, uh, man. Like, 
like I and, and again, it could not. They may not see them for you know <laughs> till till the Easter Conference Finals. So like what right. What what like uh, is that enough momentum if they find a way to just limp through Orlando and like win that in six or something as opposed yep. like I, I, I will say this I think I think Miami can still beat anybody like we've talked about and they've proven that they've beaten some very good teams during the bubble but they're at, at like five hundred they're four and six in their last ten Indiana had a nice start against bad teams. But I think Indy, Philadelphia, Brooklyn, and Orlando, those bottom four seeds, those are not contenders. You look into the Western Conference, and when you were saying before that, yeah, who's got momentum, what does it even mean? Nobody has momentum in the West that's meaningful right now. Right. But I don't think the Lakers or the Clippers lose in the first round, just, again, because of the talent they have, although Dallas could pull off an upset with the way that Luka's been playing. The Mavericks are another team like the Blazers who can't defend to save their life right now. Um, I think really it's about who finds momentum in that first round of the playoffs out West because other teams, there's going to be two or three teams that don't and are in a dogfight and they get out in a full series. And now you get into the second round. And if you face somebody who has momentum and you don't, we could start to see upsets where all of a sudden somebody like OKC or Houston, I don't think it'll be Utah because they've been the worst of the bunch. Um, You know, somebody from that middle tier all of a sudden makes it to the Western Conference Finals simply because they got hot. Oh, listen, Joel. Um, I don't know what you're talking about with Dallas struggling in defensively, giving up points. They've only given up, let's see, uh, 117, 110, 126, 132, 114, 134, 128. I don't – like, this seems like a good defensive squad. What are you talking about? And uh, that's, a, that's a personnel thing. Um Dorian Finney-Smith is really their only plus defender. He's in the starting lineup. Um, you know, Luca competes, Porzingis competes, but Porzingis does not move well laterally. He still is not at full strength, and there's a question with a guy that big whether he will ever be at full strength. He was, when healthy in New York, somebody that you could trust in a pick-and-roll situation to switch and hold his own. That is absolutely not true right now. He has been moved to the five uh, in a way to – help that Maxi Kleba is a good rotation defender. Um, but Tim Hardaway Jr., Seth Curry, um, Jalen Brunson, when he was there, although he's not um, trying to remember who is filling his spot now as a Michigan guy. And his name is escaping me. Roto world. You're falling behind. Cause you don't even have him on the roster, <laughs> um, but they, they don't have a lot of ability to stop at the point of attack. Does Dallas. There's not a lot of guard defenders, Missing Dwight Powell as a shot blocker on the back line doesn't help them. Um, they don't give any run to Michael Kidd-Gilchrist because of his his scoring problems. Um, but Dallas has been, like, the best offensive team of all time <laughs> through this regular season, and that's not, not hyperbolic. Like, the rate they've been scoring at has been that good, but they give up almost as much on the other end. Well, here's Portland, just for the example. We talk about how bad some of these defensive team, uh, teams are at the very bottom. Uh, 135 given up. 128. 102. That's a pretty good night. Followed by 115, 122, 121, 131, 133. And uh, it's Trey Burke, by the way, who's filled in for the Mavericks. I'm sorry, Trey. I should know that being the yeah, right. Michigan guy, and that's where I live now. But um, <laughs> yeah, right. no. he's a Michigan guy. What are you doing? <laughs> Port- Portland has been just not on the same page. And even when guys try to compete, they're minus defenders to begin with in the starting lineup. Dallas is kind of a mirror image of that. 
They just don't have the personnel um, and they haven't had the focus on that end. But fortunately, they can put up a crap ton of points because they've got some really, really talented scorers in Luca and Damian Lillard. Plus, then you've got CJ McCollum, you've got Chris Saps Porzingis. So there's that supporting number two punch. And there's enough guys, whether you talk about Carmelo Anthony, Tim Hardaway Jr., um, there's that those tertiary options that you do you can't leave them open. Like they will knock down open shots and they will create some offense for themselves too. So they're really similar, those two teams, and well coached. Terry Stotts and Rick Carlisle, they've coached together before. There's a lot of similarities between those two teams. And the question is, how many games can they steal in the first round against the Lakers and or Clippers? Um, I think they probably get one to two games on them. All right. Uh, well, then let's take a quick gander at the playoffs between now and the next time we'll speak. Uh, the playoffs, again, start Saturday and possibly Sunday, depending on uh, what happens uh, in the old uh, uh, Memphis-Portland series. Uh, but Monday is the rest of the playoffs. Um, one sentence, max two, Utah at Denver. By the way, real quick, how cool is it that we're getting playoff basketball at noon? Yes, that's awesome. Um, <laughs> Denver wins um, in in five. Okay. Let's go in five. Denver hasn't had a lot of momentum, but Michael Porter Jr. has played really well. Utah has struggled without Boyan Bogdanovich. Brooklyn at Toronto. I love the at. Brooklyn at Toronto. Um, Toronto drop. No, Toronto sweeps. I think Toronto sweeps that. So, Brooklyn's been good, but Toronto has has momentum in the horses. No sweeps in the West, at least one so far in the East. All right. Yes. Yep. Uh, Philadelphia goes all the way to Orlando to take on Boston. <laughs> um, Boston wins uh, in five. Boston wins in five. Um, Philly, yeah, I, maybe, I, Philly maybe gets a game in there, but that, that could be a sweep too, and Brett Brown loses his job at the end. Uh, see, I don't think it's going to be a sweep. I think that – I think that has a chance for Philadelphia. Uh, I think Philadelphia <laughs> definitely gets one. I think they definitely get one. Uh, I just I think I don't they know. can get one. They can. Yep. Joel Embiid will have a great game, and guys will hit their shots. I think they can. I just I don't think it's more than that. Uh, the nightcap for Monday in the first set of games: uh, Dallas at the Clippers. Definitely not a sweep. I think the Dallas picks up two games on the Clippers. Oh, okay. Wow. Why do you think? Why do you think Dallas can pick up a couple on the uh, LACs? Luca, 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 Luca. Yeah, I think we're we're looking at just a guy who has figured it out offensively beyond even where he was at last year, beyond even where he was at when the season paused. And like we said, the weapons are there offensively. The Clippers have so much talent that they will prevail in the end, and they've got a lot of different wing defenders to throw out there, whereas Dallas really doesn't have anything outside of Finney Smith. Um, However, the Clippers have had a different lineup like every single night with players being hurt, coming and going. Uh, Montrezl Harrell hasn't even played yet, and he should be available for the playoffs. So eventually talent wins out, and the Clippers just have more of it. But Dallas Dallas is going to score some points no matter what LAC does. Man, I'm telling you, I think that's the most interesting thing to watch for the playoffs, which is how much does the defense pump up in the playoffs? As you say, traditionally it does. But also, 
we're in a shooter's gym. We're in shooter's gyms. Like this, it's just easier for guys to eye in on the basket and make shots as opposed to having to go on the road, a hostile environment stuff that we may still be seeing good defenses when we, we've seen stretches of it in the bubble, not as much, but we've seen some stretches of good defense, but just guys are able to line up the shot and make them. So, yeah, I agree. Uh, uh, Tuesday, which is the final day of the first round uh, starters action, uh, then you're just into straight series. Orlando and Milwaukee, it's your 1-8 matchup. I think Orlando picks up one game on Milwaukee, maybe even game one, um, which sounds familiar because Milwaukee did that last year, I think, um, where they dropped the first game. So Orlando may steal the first one, and they're going to be competitive in a couple of others. Um, but there again, Milwaukee's talent and the Giannis factor will win out. The biggest thing for Milwaukee is you have to come out of that series with cohesiveness on defense and other guys beyond Giannis and Middleton who are in a rhythm and able to contribute consistently in that second round. Because otherwise, you know, that the talent level is going to go up significantly by that second round. And Milwaukee could be in big time danger if they still look disjointed by the time they get to the semis. Joel forgot this is one sentence or two, Max. Um, Indi- <laughs> I always do. Indiana at Miami. Slugfest. Fourth time they've played each other uh, in franchise history, in fact. I think this one goes six games and Miami prevails. Houston, Oklahoma City. Man, this one is a toss-up for me. I'm going to predict the upset. Thunder win in seven. The Chris mm. Paul revenge factor and the fact that Houston is without Russell Westbrook is too much. And this closes out the Mike D'Antoni era because them losing in the first round will be the Rockets' excuse to move on and move to a different coach. So they changed styles middle of the season mm-hmm. and they ch- and, and uh, losing the first round. And Houston says, sayonara, we're going to find someone else to run this. Let, let me go even further on a prediction there. Not only do they choose not to retain D'Antoni, but Daryl Morey steps down then at the end of the season. There is a huge rift between ownership and the front office. Ownership has tried to be cheap. The front office has tried to do things their way, and I bet you that Maury draws that line in the sand over D'Antoni, but the first-round loss gets used as the excuse to move on. I, I have written down exactly what you've said. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I have written down OKC in seven, Mike D'Antoni gone, Daryl Maury steps down, not fired, just stepped down. And that is a ton of prediction on this series. Uh, Oklahoma City. Oh, but sorry, I forgot. Revenge Factor from Chris Paul, too. And do you know who has a ton of ties with Houston? The Philadelphia 76ers front office. Now we're going too far down the rabbit hole okay. as far as predictions, but there's a ton <laughs> of ties there. Don't be surprised if all of a sudden uh, those Rockets those Rockets guys become available if you've got Philly knocking at the door hard, especially if they move on from Brett Brown. Your nightcap and your final first-round matchup that is not tipped off yet will be the Los Angeles Lakers taking on Portland or Memphis. So first, Portland or Memphis gets past that first-round playoff berth, play-in-berth game. If Memphis makes it, they can win one game. I might lose out on my no-sweeps prediction. I wouldn't be surprised if the Grizzlies got swept, Um, but I think Memphis can win one game. Portland can win two against the Lakers, who, again, have looked like they've been coasting. They're not entirely healthy. Um, The Blazers pose some problems for them 
um, but not enough problems that the that LeBron and the Lakers can't figure that out. And and of course the Anthony Davis factor. The Blazers do not have anyone that can guard LeBron. Although it might be fun if we get Carmelo Anthony on LeBron for a little bit and just, <laughs> yeah. just a chance to see those guys going at it again one more yeah. time. Um, but really, Portland does not have any answer for Anthony Davis. It's not going to be Nurkic or Whiteside. They're both too slow. Zach Collins is not big enough and has not looked completely healthy, although he'll probably be the guy who draws the Anthony Davis assignment. Um, so the Lakers will pre- will prevail, but Portland's going to put up some points on them. Mm, that was not too simple, yeah. by the way. Sorry. <laughs> You're all right. Dude. You're all right. That's, that's the last one we got to get to. Plus, to be fair, I did ask you about two possible matchups, so you can add a couple more sentences because of that. That's right. I get four then in that scenario. <laughs> you do, and uh, you definitely use them. Um, has anything, by the way, before we get out of here, has anything you've seen in the bubble changed who you think ends up in the conference or NBA finals? I had previously said Clippers and Bucks, and I am changing that now. I think we're going to go um, – man, it's such a toss-up between Clippers and Lakers. I'll keep my Clippers prediction, but I think we see the Toronto Raptors get a chance to at least defend their title by making it to the NBA Finals uh, without Kawhi, which is truly impressive. Um, Boston yeah. is is certainly a toss-up there to get in. I don't know that we're going to see the Bucks make it in there's just something that seems lost right now and it's always been that fear about when things nosedive Budenholzer has not been able to right the ship quickly enough it happened in Atlanta it happened last year in Milwaukee too you know that that's got to be the most surprising story of the season right like Toronto I think once Kawhi over last summer well wow, it's we're over a year since that happened. Yeah, uh, <laughs> we're still in the same season. Many moons ago, uh, once Kawhi decided to leave and go to the Clippers, that I think most people thought, "Well, there you go. You got your championship, and now you can sort of battle." Yeah, for you're a seventh seed if you're lucky. Seven. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just killing it. They're just killing it again. And that is, I mean. I know that they're giving away awards for best team in the bubble, best best MVP of the bubble and all that too, as well as for the season. But like, I know Phoenix has a real good case for coach of the year player, like for especially coach or coach of the bubble, but we really need to be looking in Toronto. Like we, 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 like, we really need to look at Nick nurse and be like, um, Toronto has flat out beat better teams than Phoenix did as well. That's that's to me the biggest difference. Like, yeah, Phoenix ran the table, and the Toronto's ha- and Toronto has lost one game, but Toronto has played tougher competition overall, and they've they've beaten. Yeah, the and Lakers. by the way, and by the way, Toronto just beat Denver uh, while we were recording. Yeah, one seventeen one oh nine. So yeah, they've had a couple of cupcake games. They played the Magic. Um, you know, they got Memphis, they got Philadelphia dinged up, but those are not Sacramento and Washington. Like those are at least competent teams. The only loss Toronto has was to the Celtics and the Celtics played a phenomenal game to win 122, 100. And remember the Celtics are the other team, the other hottest team in the tournament. So other than that, Toronto has beaten all comers and they've done it pretty convincingly in just about every game, including that opening matchup against the Lakers where they beat them by 15 points. 
Yeah, that that definitely happened. That is, you can look at that on the schedule. It totally happened. Everyone freaked out when like LeBron played a little bit of defense and like they beat the Clippers to start off mm-hmm. on that opening night, but uh, pay no attention to the moving the man behind the curtain, I guess, to, yeah. who is who is still the seemingly boring. No one wants to talk about Toronto Raptors, who are just going to win sixteen games and like sweep everything, maybe. So uh, they'll have a shot. They will definitely have a shot. Man, I think I'm done betting against them this year too. I think, that I think would probably be a good idea. <laughs> the game, I don't, I don't think, I don't think it would be, like I may not bet for them. I'm just not going to bet against them. That's all. Like I'm just going to be like, you know what? You guys are too good for me to just um, ignore at this point. And how how much fun would uh, I mean Raptors versus Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals would be a lot of fun. Raptors versus Celtics if they get to that would be a lot of fun too. Although I think they would see each other in the second round. So. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, they will see each other in the second round. So it's going to be either Toronto and Milwaukee or Toronto-Miami, most likely in an Eastern Conference Finals, depending on how the semis shake out. Yeah, we may get some fun in the first round, maybe second round, but usually it's talent gets you to the finals. So I'm mm-hmm. I, I'm excited to see what we'll see in the first couple of rounds of the playoffs, but I, th- I do think it's going to be Milwaukee-Toronto with you, that they're going to wind up meeting each other in the uh, the lovely Canadian province known as... Um, Orlando. Orlando, yeah. <laughs> All right, Joel, that's going to do it for us on the Kobe Bryant edition. How appropriate we were talking basketball, playoff basketball, on Basketball by Association for the Kobe edition. Joel, thank you for your time, man. It's been a blast. All right. We'll do it again at some point with Joel. Uh, maybe uh, maybe we'll do it in the morning. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, <laughs> Joel, say goodbye to everyone. Are we not doing phrasing anymore? See, everybody. <laughs> Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.